0: This is from Scotstown. This is Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors' official podcast. Hello and welcome back to Warriors Weekly. My name is Duncan Seller, Glasgow Warriors' media manager, and today I'm joined by our latest addition to the backroom coaching staff, Killian Reardon, our new head of S&C, who's joined us from Leinster. Killian, how are you? Hey
1: Duncan, how are you? Thanks good. for having me.
0: I'm good. I'm good. We've started off every episode of this season asking everybody the same question. Uh, I'm sure you might have had it already when you joined us two weeks ago. You obviously are brought up in front of the group. You're asked to talk about your family, asked to talk about your rugby career um, and then you're also asked to, uh, to tell us what your hidden talent is. So I'm going to ask you, Killian, what's your hidden talent? Oh,
1: well, the answer that I gave at the at that extremely uncomfortable interview the other day was um, I retired last year as a professional boxer. So that's my that's
0: probably the... Little known fact. A little known fact. So can you tell us, I guess, a bit about that? I was going to ask you about your sporting background. What kind of led you into rugby? So maybe that's maybe that's probably is the best place to start. So were you a rugby man as well as a boxer? Or, or how has this kind of come about, this this journey into, I guess, a head of SNC role?
1: Not really. I wasn't, no. I was like, I didn't come from a rugby family. I came from a gaily football family in Dublin. And um, yeah, probably gaily football more so than anything else. Played that, played a bit of soccer, uh, boxed amateur. Um, and uh, played one game of rugby. Um, I ended up going to, um, I suppose, a rugby school, not one of the big ones, but a rugby school for the last three years of secondary school. Um, but I only ever played one, one game of rugby. It was never, it was just never my thing. Um, where rugby kind of became prominent for me was as I started to pursue a career in sort of performance and strength and conditioning side of things, um, I always admired, like, I always admired the elite level, elite level performers in whatever their field was. Um, and as I was pursuing a career in sports, Leinster was one of the big teams um, that were actually doing doing well and really were performing at the top end. And that became a big focus for me. Um, I wanted to get into an environment like that. I wanted to learn the lessons about performing highly that I could learn from those environments. So that's what I pursued. Um, and I ended up uh, getting internships with uh, Leinster and also getting internships with Dublin Gaelic football at a time, exactly at a time when Dublin was kind of resurgent. So Dublin Gaelic football would have won, I think, seven All Ireland's in the last um, 10 years. And I managed to blag my way onto the backroom staff of the first of those in 2011 and um, so yeah that was that was my way in Got into internship triple Lens of the, the the same year kind of but
0: for the following year and and yeah here i am and then i'm assuming you're then balancing bo- professional boxing with snc coaching and from everything that, <laughs> that we see here there's rugby yeah i guess rugby coaching and snc coaching seems to be a long day anyway so so how how can you do pro boxing and do something like this? It's such an intense job that is not just a nine to five, it's in at seven. It can be late nights. It can be obviously away on the weekends with the team if they've got games, etc.
1: Yeah, like it was tough. It was really tough. Um, I suppose at the time I was doing the um senior strength and conditioning role at Leinster under our head of athletic performance guy called Charlie Higgins. And so... You know, his job was a busier job than my job but my job was still demanding and um, his big thing and one of the big things that i got from him actually was the sort of strategic self-management and how that maps onto performance and uh, that that's really how i managed to do those two things so yeah days were long um pretty much for a number of years up at four in the morning home at seven at night every day everything planned you know, when you're going to work, what, when and what you're going to eat, what time your training is, how, how your travel is working, these kind of things. But it was a really good education in um, the detail of trying to get what you want, putting the strategic detail around getting what you want. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, that's probably a good answer to that question.
0: Yeah. I I'm- are you, or were I guess, were you a details guy before that? Is that are you, uh, an OCD kind of person? I think Brad Mayo, our previous head of SNC, I think, had in his Twitter bio that he was he was an obsessive OCD person. Are, are you somebody that was really detailed anyway, or was that something you kind of had to learn?
1: So, no, it's something that I had to learn, um, and something that I learned as the number of things that I was trying to do with a limited amount of time started to go up. Um, so, I mean, at one point, I was. At one point, I was full time with Leinster. I was wrapping up my my doctorate degree in UCD and I was boxing professionally at the same time. And um, so like trying to do those three things, you're going to have to be organized to keep those three plates spinning. And yeah, it's definitely something I learned. It's not something I'm, I'm a, I would say, generally speaking, I'm much more big picture than I am little picture.
0: And did I hear you mention there? So are, are you a doctor? Are you doctor? kill you (laughs) i'm not not a doctor that could do anything to help anyone in the way that matters
1: yeah technically i have the i have technically i have a doctorate yes
0: right there was a question i was going to come on later where i was going to ask you about how you stay relevant and all the up-to-date kind of research and stuff like that i feel like this is kind of a perfect time how does somebody balancing everything else balancing a doctorate as well stay up to date on all the relevant research because you know it's strength and conditioning it's not just weights room stuff and it's not just fitness stuff. There's speed work in there. There's there's so many different kind of I guess forms of research that you have to kind of keep abreast of. How does somebody like you manage? Yeah, how, how do you do that?
1: Well, there's two. There's probably two components to that. Yes, the the obviously the science and updates and that kind of thing matters, right? But you're yeah. also, you're part of a department from which this stuff is being absorbed and distilled the whole time. Right. And I, I probably see your role and this is the first time I've done a head role, but I probably see that role as being much more about helping the performance staff and the medical staff pull that, pull their knowledge together to deliver mm-hmm. a great product to support our team in playing the way that the coaching staff want them to play. And then I see it as, um, Again, big picture. Um, and the science is the little picture. The other side to that is it it is a mistake that SNC, I think all SNC cultures make for a period of time. Um, is that they become too married to science and um, small tweaks and small updates, and what's what's the cutting edge technology that we can use to get this thing forward by one percent and Generally speaking, I think the return on investment of that kind of approach is not what you would hope it would be. So what I mean by that is rugby is a complex sport. There's a lot going on. It's strength and conditioning and skills and decision-making and your psychological preparation and your mindset and a myriad of other things, right? And your performance is something that emerges out of the way you put all those things together, right? Um, so so the cutting-edge latest scientific intervention to help you accelerate one percent faster under a specific set of circumstances doesn't affect the overall product of putting those things, those things that I mentioned together. It's like those tiny incremental gains in a discrete area are lost in the margins of how well you put the thing together, right? Right. So It's the same thing as I would say that I think being ahead of strength and conditioning is more about helping the staff to realize, helping the guys real deliver a really great product. Your program, your overall performance program is more about helping the players to pull everything together so that they can realize a really great product, which is
0: a great performance consistently every week in all competitions. Right. And then, Am I right in thinking obviously you've only been in the, in the role about two weeks now, but there have been kind of a lot of discussions in the last two weeks around kind of culture and, and and how we drive things here? Everyone talks about how Glasgow has a really strong culture already and a really strong identity. And obviously Leinster has, has a really strong culture of success and a strong culture of identity as well. So so how does somebody in an SNC kind of role fit into that, I guess, the whole wider group kind of project of driving culture and kind of driving standards?
1: Yeah, well, like I see. Well, culture and standards are probably two two slightly different things, but definitely map onto each other. Um, so I definitely see it as a really, really key piece for me in the sort of learning phase. So I'm in the learning phase about the organisation, about the team, about the people that are us. Um, and what I'm trying to do at the moment is undertake some tasks and projects to accelerate that learning, so that I can, you know, uh, go from, so that I can start to add as much value. Um, at as early a point as possible. Um, So, yeah, one of the things I've been learning about because it's been uh, topical amongst the team and the staff in recent weeks and, you know, because it's prominent in the organisation in general is the cultural piece and what their identity is, what that means for how we behave around the building, what that means for how we interact with with the world outside the building, what that should mean, how that should reflect on our performances on the field and what we hope that that will deliver for us in practical terms. Um, in the medium to long term, so so that's where I'm at. Learning, um, I think, mm-hmm. culture is it has to permeate everything. So yeah, the SNC program being a prominent part of your overall performance um, needs to play a role in driving that as well. How the detail of that plays out, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, 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 the, on standards. It's actually not something I said. Someone of the younger coaches said to me, Liam Walsh, who's our uh, academy s coach, but also coaches on the, the senior program, said it to me in passing the other day, but I thought it was a good point. Um, he said that the uh, watching a player within the athletic performance program, the s side and the rehab side and the way that he preps for training, is that's the real insight. It's a standard because everybody trains everybody works hard when they're under the eyes of the coaches on the field because that's where our team selection is made but the guys who live bring those standards to what they do when nobody's looking are because you know that those are the guys that do the other things right like look after the way they eat look after the way they sleep and keep their social lives in in order and you know and Take care of their, take care of the, their mind. Like everything that maps on the performance are professional, twenty four seven, not just under the eyes of coaches. And you know, um, I think that that's a really good way to assess players. Is in the S and C
0: program. Yeah, and then what? What is your philosophy on motivating players? Uh, probably specifically. What I'm thinking about it here is is in the gym or you see these gym montages of say these NFL teams or these college, you know, college programs in America, where they've got these massive uh SNC coaches that are just screaming at people the whole time. But from from what I can tell, from when I when I see what's going on in our gym, that's not really kind of our ethos. And then so I was gonna ask you, what is your ethos around that? How do you see the best way to motivate players? Is it shouting them in the face? Is it getting to know them and knowing what kind of buttons to push at what time? How does it kind of work for you? Yeah, like that
1: NFL thing. I think I actually probably know the exact video that you might be referring to. There, <laughs> I find that I don't know if it's. A, I think probably Scottish and Irish people are pretty similar. I find that pretty embarrassing to be honest, and um, pretty embarrassed to be associated with that as an as an industry. Yeah, but look, I don't think that you motivate people like that. Certainly not in a deep way. What you want is to to have. What you want is to Develop a pathway, help guys to develop their own pathway that they are engaged with and believe will take them to where they want to go. So, you know, part of that is providing um, standards and measurements and letting them know where they sit in relation to where they sit in relation to where they need to be on these metrics in order to achieve what they want. Um, And then mapping those things onto a pathway of strategy that allows them to develop in those facets, right? Um, and then helping them, exposing them to scenarios that help them to put that thing together. Because again, your performance is about how you put things together, and and helping them to realise all of those discrete variables in the one thing, which is the performance. And um, I think if you can, first of all, help players do that, but second of all, help them to lead the process and and show them, show them make it clear how the process will actually help them become what it is that they want to become to achieve, what it is they want to achieve. You get, you, you get the buy-in and then the motivation is kind of built in.
0: Yeah. Right?
1: So you don't have to motivate people minute to minutes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then everyone, every, again, I, I've already said this, but everyone thinks of S&C and the first thing to think about is, is people in the weights room, but there's obviously the conditioning side. Um, and then I said, yeah, there's kind of other various bits about the on-the-pitch stuff. Like conditioning side versus weight side, how much do you, or as an SNC team, do you kind of see us focusing on each thing? Because from what I can see, at least, when you look at an SNC coach, a lot of the time you're on the side of the pitch. You're maybe not as hands-on, but I'm assuming there's a lot of planning that goes into those drills and the things that happen to make sure that the players are getting their conditioning within those drills that are being done.
1: Look, uh, like exactly how it will break down here or how I envisage it breaking down here. As I say, I'm, I'm only here a week. Um, I'm still in the learning phase of what the yeah. that would look like. But like in terms of an interaction effect between the two, um, you need guys to be strong. Um, you need them to be powerful. You need them to be robust. So strong so they can deliver, so they have force capability. Powerful so they can deliver it in time-compressed circumstances, right? So, um, so you can deliver force quickly. Robust so they don't get injured, and that they have a full range of movement skills. So they can lay down the force that they develop in the gym. They can actually lay it down on the field in the scenarios that actually play out those movement patterns, those running patterns, and um, whatever it is. So so that's that's the role. And then the fitness side of things is so they can do it again and again and again and again. And when I say that, I mean um that they can do it within repeat efforts on the pitch, so they can play multiple phases in a, in a, in a long set or, and also that they can do it day after day. So they can show up on a Monday, train, come back on a Tuesday, train the house down again, show up on a Thursday, get everything they can out of training, and then turn up and play on the weekend. And, um, and that, that's, that's fitness. So you need, you need, you need it all. If you miss anything, it's going to break down somewhere along the line. Um, that's, that would be my feeling on that.
0: And, and then when you're looking at amateur rugby and, and you go into an amateur team and you're talking to amateur teams, a lot of people, a lot of the players, when you're sitting chatting to them, they talk about how much weight they can bench and how much they weigh. Those seem to be the two main metrics. It's it's nothing else. It's it's whether you can bench over 100 kilograms, whether you weigh over 100 kilograms. In, in rugby, okay. and when I've spoken to players previously, guys here, they've talked at times about how they need to kind of manage their weight, whether they need to gain some weight or lose some weight. So, so my question for you is how do... How do you, as an SNC coach, keep a player fit, but also at the same time have them gaining weight consistently to get to whatever target weight they've got throughout the season? Again, the
1: devil's in the detail. It depends on the player yep. and, and, and what the targets are and what else he's got going on in his life. But it's all about training stimuli. So it's, let's say, well, let's use those two. So you want a certain level of aerobic fitness, and let's say you're not quite there, and you want a certain level of um, muscle mass, and let's say you're not quite there either. So, well, you know what, you you decide what the training stimulus, well, you, it's established what the training stimulus you need for each is, you know, a aerobic training stimulus and a muscle building or a muscle mass building training stimulus. And then you provide for both of those within his, within the way that you schedule for the player. You select the tools that fit best with him and you set up a week that allows him to get, enough of each stimulus that he can develop and enough recovery in between so that he can so he can develop Um yeah so it's about i mean obviously there is an upper limit on how many things you can how many how many rabbits you can chase at the same time but um but that scenario you described would be, you know fairly standard
0: do right. you ha- do you have uh welcome to professional sport or professional rugby moment is there something that happened whether that you know in, in a coaching role or whether it was at a game or whatever that you kind of suddenly hit you went oh hang on I'm I'm in a professional role here wow this is this is different to anything I've done before um. <laughs>
1: I think I think there are probably loads of those particularly at the start um, where but again like my first two roles were Dublin GA and Leinster Dublin won an All Ireland the Euro words them, Leinster won a European Cup the year that I did my internship with them. Um, so, you know, yeah, there were those moments. But the big thing that uh, happened, I think, when I started working with Leicester was, I was the other thing like a lot of places where at your first game, you have to sing. Um, I was really didn't want to sing. I was really uncomfortable doing it. I did a really, really bad job. So the way that they handled that was they made me sing for my first everything for the first year. So it was like first... Game first away game first European game first European game that we won where we didn't score a try like I've had to say about eight or twelve times that year. So that was uh, that was pretty rough. Was
0: it, was it yeah. always the same song? Yeah, I had one song, I had one song. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. Okay, Killian, I'm conscious of time. We've got Leinster this weekend. Your old side. You came from them two weeks ago. Can we, can we get a score prediction? Where, where do the allegiances lie what are you thinking so
1: you know i'm not giving any secrets here and say the, the really strong thing about leinster is they um you know have a lot of young players in that team maybe not with loads of caps but they'll perform um they'll perform at home it'll be tough um but we've had a really good training week in here and a lot of things from that ulster game last week to be optimistic about so I'm going to say narrow win for Glasgow.
0: Nice. I like that. I like that. And, and how are you feeling about going back across there now that you're in this role?
1: Uh, I'm excited, actually, to go back. Like obviously, I've got a lot of great friends. I was 10 years there. And I'm excited to see some of them. Um, you know, it is it is quick. Like, when you think uh, 25 days, 26 days ago was my last day at Leinster, So not very much time yeah. has passed. Um but uh, during the week, on the analysis, um, a clip went up of uh, Leinster game. Obviously, I not even say what game it was, but I could see myself uh, standing on the side of the pitch in the RS, yeah. working working for Leinster at the time. Obviously, and uh, it was a It was it was it was one of those big moments that was being analysed in the game. I remembered actually standing on the the I remembered exactly how I was feeling at that time, and yeah, it was an emotional moment because that's sort of a really meaningful place to me. But it's also a place where I got the learnings to have the opportunity that I have in front of me now. So so it's uh, all roads lead to Glasgow.
0: Perfect. Right, Killian. Thank you very much for joining us on Warriors Weekly. Good luck for for the rest of your role. Good luck. Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors official podcast.